Welcome to today's episode of the What's in the Words podcast. I am AJ. What's up, y'all? I'm Steve Canal. And uh, today we are in a very interesting book by Dr. Victor Frankel. Steve, you want to introduce today's book? Definitely. Today's book is Man's Search for Meaning. And it's, a, it's an interesting book because this was written in 1946. And a lot of the principles, a lot of the things that he talks about in this book are prevalent today, you know, and, and are, you know, in our faces every day, you know, Absolutely. today. And that and this was with him dealing with concentration camp, you know. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to dig into this um, and, you know, definitely hear from your side, AJ, what you pulled out of this book, because there's a there was a lot. You know, yes. you know, he's a very intelligent, you know, man and what he was able to express in this body of work was very compelling. So I definitely like to hear from your side, AJ. What what was your big idea, the 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 overview that you've gotten from this book? So the big idea is this, and before I go into the big idea, I just want to contextualize and 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 reflect what you just said. So Dr. Victor Frankel uh traveled from different concentration camps. Um my big overview was the way you imagine your future can affect the way that you live today. And I think that's kind of a high level thing. So uh, one example that I want to give to sort of support that is he talked about the different people who were um, with him in this concentration camp. And one example that pops out the, the most is uh, one of the gentlemen had in his mind that, you know, uh, I think it was maybe October, September, I mean, September, October timeframe. And what he said is, hey, listen, at Christmas, we're going to be released. And he had all his faith in, in Christmas. So, um, you know, what Dr. Frankel said is, well, I, I, I really hope that that happens. But, you know, if it doesn't happen, just keep the faith. But the guy was dead set on Christmas being the release time. Uh, so what happened is, you know, his faith got stronger. He, he physically the physical manifestation of strength in those um, conditions, the closer it got to Christmas, the stronger he got and the more confident he was in being released for Christmas. But what happened is Christmas came uh, and he was, you know, literally ready to kind of run through a wall <laughs> for Christmas. But then after Christmas passed, he started to lose faith. Uh, and, you know, he said, well, maybe New Year's. So then he, he, he changed the goalposts. He said, well, if it didn't happen for Christmas, maybe New Year's. And then when New Year's passed, he noticed physically the manifestation of strength that he had previously started to go away. And the guy that he referenced was dead by February because after Christmas passed and, and January passed, he gave up hope. So he envisioned, he envisioned the future um, tied directly to a specific goal. And I think that parallel right there is super real, right? Because what we do in today's world is we say, hey, when I implement this strategy, it's going to work and I'm going to be straight, <laughs> right? Okay. If, if we know both as entrepreneurs, like that's that can happen. And yes, you can, you know, gain leverage or traction, but that may not be, you know, get you to the goal that you're trying to reach. So, the way that you envision your future can affect how you live today. So be careful of the language that you use and the things that you tie your goals to. Um, Steve, what about you? No, and I think that's awesome. You know, that was a great way to pull out that key learning from it. Um, for me, it was, it was, you know, for everything that he was dealing with and tying it back to apathy and the blunting of emotions, 
mm-hmm. and the psychological reactions of becoming insensitive to the unjust conditions mm-hmm. uh, that he was facing every day and, and everybody around him was facing every day. And I tie that to today, you know, with social media and television and, you know, now we're seeing, you know, killings right in our face. We're seeing unjust conditions just tenfold, you know, in our face every day, every week. And it's crazy when you think about the conditions he dealt with in these concentration camps to how today, you know, mentally our minds can become insensitive to these unjust conditions because they become the norm. And And that shouldn't be the case. You know, we should fight for change. We should fight to... To, to see things differently. And it was real interesting how his state of mind, he conditioned his mind of, you know, at some point he became insensitive, insensitive to, to the unjust conditions, but then he realized, you know, the more one forgets himself by giving himself to a cause, the more self-actualization becomes reality and you believing in, in, in you and, you know, what can become. You know, and, and by putting his mind state in that, that's in that position, he started to believe that, you know, I'm going to get myself out of this, out of the situation. And the more I believed it, the more the people who are making decisions, if I'm going to be going to the cooker and, and, you know, be, you know, and die or, you know, be killed, you know, because they need to meet their quota of how many people they're, they're killing that day in the concentration camp they're going to believe it as well because they see that confidence in me, you know, in, in, in what I can provide, you know, in, in this situation. So it was really how strong, you know, your mind needs to be to, to put, to get yourself out of certain situations, you know, and believing in that. So. Was- Absolutely. And I, I love that. I think that, and that brings me to literally piggybacking on what you just said is one of the first, um, first takeaways was um, nihilism. And that's exactly what you just said. It's, it's that we see so much, you know, police shootings. I mean, at this point, you look on Instagram and you see one every single day, you know, somebody being recorded where a cop is, you know, beating someone up, you know, in a, in a way that, that's not right. Someone being shot, people being killed. It's, it's we have become desensitized. And we have to be careful how we normalize things, because once you normalize it, then that fight to change, uh, you know, it, it, it's taken away from you, not even externally, but intrinsically, because you're like, you know what, this is just what it is. Uh, and then you accept it. And, and that acceptance is, is exactly what the person that is oppressing you wants you to, to, to realize in your life. So we have to be careful how we, you know, look at situations and how we again, normalize, I can't think of a better word than normalizing uh, some of the things that we see because that can become our reality uh, and, and those, the effects of things like that are, are far reaching. Uh, what was your, one of your takeaways, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for one of my takeaways was when he talked about the existential vacuum mm. and, yeah. you know, the frustrated will to, 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 to the meaning of life, you know, uh, which could ultimately lead to vices, especially today, 
uh, with with the way you know things are offered and packaged and presented to us as humans. And I did a little research to just look into this a little bit more, and I, I came up upon this amazing article that talked about nine ways modern society is causing an existential vacuum. Hmm. And I want to share the nine today because it, it, it kind of will, will bring this home. Uh, number one was the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, when we all, we all are seeking happiness in one form or another uh, and how that, you know, search and pursuit for that happiness, you know, can, you know, it's, it's tough because, we're all struggling to, 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 to reach that pursuit. And if you, and every day we're chasing and chasing and chasing yes. and chasing, you know, and you're never happy, you know, because you feel like it needs to be a certain way. And that problem lays in the fact that you can't, you can't force happiness upon people, you know? Um, and number two was consumerism and materialism, which, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's never ending quest to acquire, you know, it's all, all day it's consuming um consumption number three was social media you know i think we all can (laughs) attest to that um number four the rise of celebrity yeah number five traditional media you know we just talked about you know the impact of media number six a culture of problems rather than solutions you know, so everything's a problem, 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 but it's, we're not coming up with solutions, you know, uh, for one reason or another. Uh, number seven, the break, the breakdown of families, you know, mm-hmm. we, which is pretty big, you know, it's a sad fact that, you know, modern, you know, in this modern age that many of, as many as 50% of marriages will end a divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and when you think about the prison systems and how people of color, you know, 77%, you know, these prisons are, are made up of people of color, you know, these jails and prisons, which are causing single parent homes. Number eight, failure of the education system. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's something that, you know, in the next couple of years, two, three years, that's going to be a leader. And just how we had a tech boom is, you know, how are we going to, restructure this education system and number nine is treatment of the elderly you know there's there's no respect when you think of it you know when we were growing up it was respect for our elders and now there's a lack of respect all the way around across the board you know which speaks to humanity and you know who we are as a people today Man, I'm I'm really glad that you that you you know kind of pulled that article into this conversation and um, a couple of those things that we've had you know several conversations about but i want to if you you know if you're cool with it just dig into three of them and that's one of the biggest at least you know in the way that we engage social media uh is that rise of celebrity and there's two more that i want to unpack but if we think about what celebrity is versus what it was celebrity used to be this thing that we looked at and it's admired um and it you know maybe there was a an an inkling of one day that can be me. But what social media has done is it has given everyone the ability to be a pseudo celebrity within whatever environment they choose. And I think that we're forever chasing and social media has sort of bred that. And if we're not careful, um, you know, that the, the psychological downstream of that can be, can be horrible. 
right? Another big thing is the culture of problems. If you look, especially, you know, in any comment section of any post that has anything to do with anything, there's always people pointing out the problems, but there's never much of a collective of people actually doing something. And I think mm -hmm. this access into the way people think is, you know, again, there's a gift to it, but I think the downside is, is huge. You know, one of my second takeaways is um, he developed uh, what's called logotherapy. And, and what logotherapy is, it is uh, defining meaning in your life. Uh, and once you define the meaning of your life, I think you alluded to this earlier, then the then your purpose changes uh, and it makes whatever you're dealing with more tolerable. And I tie this back to, um, you know, I'm a cancer survivor and, you know, I've talked about that before, uh, but when I was going through it, you know, the only thing that I could focus on was the future. Like, okay, when this is over, you know, here's some of the changes that I'm going to make. I'm not going to be so focused on AJ anymore. I'm going to find people that I can help with the gifts that I have. I'm going to, you know, these are the things that I'm going to do better. I'm going to, you know, even for a while, and I know I fell off the wagon, but for about the next year after going through chemo and radiation, chemotherapy and radiation, I went back to Emory. And at the time, uh, this was back in 2005, if you guys can remember that far, but there were no, you know, remember those little square TVs, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? They had those in the chemotherapy center and every chair had a TV, but there were no DVD players and nothing like that. I raised a crap load of money to buy DVD players for Emory Windshield Cancer Center. And, you know, that was my thing is like, if you got to sit here for eight hours for this chemo drip, at least you can, you know, take these portable DVD players and watch movies to take your mind off of what you're going through. So, you know, the things that we go through when we define meaning and you see it over and over, right? When, when a, a family has a child that is a special needs child, then all of a sudden their shift changes. I mean, their focus changes from all about me to all about my child with special needs and then it gets bigger. How can I help children with special needs? How can I create a foundation that helps children with special needs? So, you know, the things that you go through in life, once you define meaning to it, then that purpose can be outside of yourself and then your contribution to mankind can increase. So that was one of my, my second big takeaway. Yeah, and, and for my second, uh takeaway for the book was we often as humans don't know what we want instead we wish to do what others are doing which is conformatization which is you know replication you know we're looking to see what others are doing in order to make a decision of how i'm going to move you know within my life and the other is we do what others wish us to do totalitarianism so we're, you know Instead of us doing what pushes us, we're doing what we think other people want us to do or wish for us to do. Um, and we grow, you know, within our, our household, you know, you see that a lot with our parents, you know, you should be a doctor, you should be a lawyer, you know, you should be this, you should be that. And then you go into it and you're miserable, opposed to doing what your natural state of mind within you um, are gravitating towards. So I thought that was real interesting. So what was... Uh, a quote that you, you were able to pull out of this book? Um, the quote that stuck out to me, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the exact quote, but I'll paraphrase it by saying, everything can be taken with the ability to choose one's attitude. Mm. So, you know, no matter what situation you find yourself in, and I've heard people talk about being in very dire situations, but, you know, people can't imprison your brain. They can't imprison your thoughts. So, as long as you can control your thoughts, 
um, you know, no matter what the external situations are, you can take your plate yourself to a different place by the way that you process information. So, you know, when you're up against a wall and you're like, you know what, this, this wall is here for a reason. Uh, now that changes your perspective on the wall itself. So my big takeaway was, I mean, I'm sorry, my quote was, everything can be taken, but the ability to choose one's attitude. What was yours, bro? Yeah, and for me, uh, there were two that really stuck out. Uh, one that is a reflection of today and how we can break through our, you know, society and what we're dealing with today with, you know, those who are choosing one side. If you, it's, it's like gun control. If you have guns, people hate you because you have guns. If you want, you know, if you want safer conditions for your children, oh, you're taking my guns away, so I hate you. You know, and instead of trying to find a solution, I think everybody wants our children to be safe. But, you know, how can we come together to find a solution? Right. And the quote that I that really stuck out was the salvation of man is through love and in love. Hmm. You know, and the only way we're going to find solutions is to understand that we are human beings, you know, and we should be in love with that thought. And by being in love with that thought, we'll be able to find solution. You know, but when you when you take out the love part and you just move as humans and with 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 no regard of, you know, the ultimate goal, then we have the issues that we have today. Uh, and another, you know, real quick that I wanted to pull out was when he said he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. Yeah, I have that written down too. <laughs> yeah, I have that down too. Yeah, and, and that really stuck out, you know, given everything that he's been through. When you think about all that we have all been through, and you talk about surviving cancer, you know, when you have something to live for, when you have that why, you can bear almost any how, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, having been through those conditions and then you know, he would literally write little bits and pieces of his book that he was thinking about while writing it. And that, that was the future that he lived to. He said, you know, after this is over, I want to show people uh, that, you know, your mind essentially can control um, your body, right? Even when, you know, he was starved with no food or whatever, he would just in his mind create a future that he wanted to live into. So I think that's, you know, the big takeaway. So, um, for a kind, Steve, what, what is a kind? And you know, what's funny is when I was making notes, listening to it, I never really thought about a kind until just now when I said it. <laughs> we, try to, we try to point out a kind of each book when we talk about the pros. Um, Steve, what is one of the kinds that you have, or what is a kind, if you could find one? Yeah, for me, you know, and this is personal to me, and I, you know, when we were talking, you know, earlier, I had mentioned this, that you know, being dyslexic, sometimes it's harder to grasp things for me. And I, it takes me reading it a couple times or, or pulling things out a few times. And until we talked and actually brought it to light, then things started making more connections throughout for me. Mm -hmm. But it was mm -hmm. a very, I don't want to say very, it was, it was a complex read for me. Yes, it was. Right. And, you know, when you think about the conditions he's been through, then you t then you you fast forward to you know today, 
you you start to find some connections, but as you're in it and you're you're absorbing and taking in the information, you know, you really have to silence everything around you and be locked in to be able to grasp everything. So for me, it was just, it was a little bit of a complex read, but worth it given all the nuggets that we're able to pull out of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think that for a con, I don't think I personally had any cons, but I'm trying to put myself in the shoe of a reader who's, you know, kind of getting into reading these books and audio books. I think that um, it could come off at times as maybe some of the situations were maybe stretched out a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think understanding that the the points that he was trying to pull out of each one of the stories that he told um, kept it in perspective. But I think as a as a listener or a reader, I think that some of the stories could be could be perceived as stretched out a little bit. So I really and, and again for me to even think about that right now is a stretch because it was such a, a, a I think the word that you read that you used Steve was complex, uh, but it was very insightful and a lot of the wisdom that he uses in there is still applicable today. So now it's time for us to give our reviews. Um, Steve, what do you think, brother? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this book was written in 1946, but that doesn't take away from the information uh, when you think about man's search for meaning. He definitely, you know, went in and, and dug deep with the stories that he shared. To your point earlier, not many people in this world, in this lifetime, has had similar experiences as him. So to, gain, to get that, that information is priceless. And to be able to make connections from a body of work from 1946 to today, you know, I think that's why a lot of people love Tupac. You know, the things that he was saying in 1996 are still pre- prevalent today, you know, and when you can... 23 make, years later. <laughs> yeah, when you, can re- when you can create a body of work that's, you know, withstand the test of time, you know, that deserves credit. So even though for, for me personally, it was... It was complex for me. That has nothing to do with him. That was me, you know, and and how I can take in information. So I give him a solid four fists. I I agree, and I think, um, you know, as I started to take the information in, and, and the parallel that it had for me um, was the cancer, uh, because it was something that I was in, and I just had to get through it. Right. So it's not like I could say, you know, voila, I don't have cancer anymore. I had to go through chemo radiation, you know, a year of my life, you know, losing 60 plus pounds in a six, six, seven week period. It's just crazy. Right. Um, so for me, I give it four and a half just because I have that personal correlation with being trapped in what one could see as a prison uh, and, and having gone through that. And, you know, even when I was going through that, I, I was focused on. I even created a T-shirt that said "Mind Over Matter," and you know what I'm saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. Um, so you know, I have that personal you know attachment to it. So I gave it four and a half black fists. Nice. All right, cool. Word up. How can they find us, AJ? Man, so I am the most active on Instagram. So if you follow me on Instagram at AJ Joiner, that's A J J O I N E R. And um, if you want to write your own book. Um, couple of different things that you can do. You can go to www.ideatobook.com and starting Monday, you will get a five-day book challenge that will kickstart your book writing process. 
Uh, or if you want a book shipped to your door that will give you the blueprint to write your book, you can go to AJ's free book, just like it sounds, ajfreebook.com, and you will get a book shipped to your door uh, within six, seven business days. Steve? Awesome. And I am very active on Instagram as well and Facebook, but you can find me on all platforms at Steve Canal, S-T-E-V-E-C-A-N-A-L. And you can tap into my book, The Mind of a Winner, uh, which highlights you know, some amazing minds and teaching you how to consistently achieve success over time with the likes of Damon John, Barbara Corcoran, 2 Chainz. My beautiful wife, Spin Catch, Kenny the Jet Smith, um, and, and, and a bunch of others. You can find it on Amazon.com or you can go to the Mind of a Winner Book.com. Love it. All right. So if you're listening still now, what we want you to do is do a screenshot. Do a screenshot listening to this, especially if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher or one of the other platforms, Pandora or, or Spotify. And share it on Instagram and tag us. We just gave you our handles at AJ Joyner at Steve Canal. Um, also, if you're listening to this on Instagram, tag someone in the comment section below that loves free books. And, you know, I think this is a very insightful book, but I think overall, uh, we're taking the time out to read these books and share them with you. And I think that is um, a net positive, if you will. So um, that's all I got, man. Steve, you got anything else? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Make sure to check out some of our previous episodes we've covered some amazing books uh and we'll catch you next time peace peace